we got some work to do. This is the Advanced Scout with Tom Offerman and Matt Williamson. Welcome into the inaugural episode of the Advanced Scout. I am your host, Tom Offerman, but no one is tuning in to hear from me. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. You are here for the man across from me, Matt Williamson, former NFL and college scout. Matt, the idea of this podcast is going to be taking a look at the guys lining up across from the Steelers this yeah, week. Yeah, you know, right. All you Steelers fans out there, I know you know about your Pittsburgh Steelers better than anybody, but you might not be as familiar with the opponents. And when you were a scout for the Browns and maybe some with Pitt too, this was something you did a fair amount of, right? Is looking ahead, looking at the team across from you and kind of giving the coaches, you know, this is what you can look for from this guy, this guy. Especially at the pro level with the Browns. I was, I did a lot of pro scouting, but ever since then too, I mean, I was at ESPN for 10 years as a national writer. I'm putting that in, you know, in quotes. So (laughs) yes, I grew up a Steeler fan and the Steelers are my closest team and you'll find articles on Steelers.com. And I'm sure some of our audience are familiar with my work. Dale and I do the drive, but I feel like one thing I can bring to the table more than a lot of analysts in the area, not no offense to those guys is just the national NFL perspective of all 31 teams. And I'm as comfortable talking Eagles or Cardinals or Bears as I am every other team. So. Absolutely. You don't have to be bashful. Man. You suck <laughs> a little bit, man. You're the yeah, best. Dude. That's why we got you on this for this Advanced Scout podcast. And, and Tom sold himself a little short, too. I mean, he oh, is okay. he's a future star. He just doesn't know it yet. It's just you know, early on in the young man's career. It's going to be a blast, dude. It's going to be great. They finally yeah. let me put a shirt on, too. So I'm, I'm <laughs> growing. I'm stepping up in this media landscape here in Pittsburgh. And it's sure. funny. I mentioned the drive that Dale Lolly and I do. And we're both UPJ guys. You and I, both Levo folks. Alums, right. Yeah, everywhere. everywhere. Yep, gotta love it. So the Steelers open up the season this Sunday. They head up to Buffalo to face off against the Buffalo Bills. Just a quick little series history before we dive into it. Pittsburgh owns the all-time series lead, sixteen to eleven, including a two-to-one advantage in the playoff. But Matt, it's a very streaky series. Eleven times, surprising, the, yeah. yeah, right. Eleven times these two teams met between '93 and 2016. The Steelers won ten. But before that, the Bills had won seven of the previous eight matchups. And in the 70s, the Steelers only lost to Buffalo once in six meetings. So it's streaky. And unfortunately for the Steelers, as they meet the Bills for the third straight time, they're on the wrong end of that streak as the Bills have taken the past two matchups. Exactly. And what I just said, boy, that's surprising. It's streaky. It really isn't. I mean, the Steelers in the 70s were a heck of a lot better than the Bills in the 70s. Right. The Bills, when they went to four straight Super Bowls, were beating everybody. You know, they were much better than the Steelers at that point. Up, you know, the the since then the Steelers were the better team. Well, that might have been changed in the end. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I I mentioned you know some of my other outlets. I've predicted the 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 Steel or I'm sorry the Bills to be the Super Bowl champs this year. You know, I mean, wow. I think they're that good. They you were put my them prediction. Above Kansas City. Kansas City and Tampa are a little chalky, so I kind of wanted okay, to go outside the order. Yeah. But I think this team is exceptional, and we might be in the midst of another streak of the Bills winning a long series in a row. And we're looking to snap that, obviously. We'll see. Well, Bills I think are good. Of, when I think of Buffalo, I think they are a very well-rounded team, but yeah. I think they're an offensively identi- identified team. I think that's the, the main DNA to this team. So let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Just basically— Before we do, I just want to yeah. throw this out there just as an overview of this team— from GM to coach to quarterback, they are exceptional. And that goes, you see that, you know, from the Saints, the Seahawks, the Steelers, the Ravens. That's the foundation of building long term success. And it's they really. New in Buffalo. It's very new in Buffalo. Yeah. And since this GM and coach took over, 
they've established it very strong and they're actually very analytically based too. They're not just old school, run it up your butt type of thing. I mean, they're going to throw and they're going to use analytics to their advantage. And I like how they're built. Well, what personnel package should the Steelers expect to see a lot from the Buffalo Bills as far as the offense is concerned? When Buffalo has the ball? Buffalo has the ball. They, first of all, this team has changed very little on both sides of the ball personnel-wise compared to other teams. I mean, everyone always wants to talk about Tampa. They're bringing back every starter. Buffalo's almost in the exact same shoot. Ten of the 11 players who played at least 500 snaps for Buffalo are back on the offensive on side offense. of 2021. And there's similar numbers on defense. Yeah. Of the 400 snaps played on the defense are back. It's so crazy. They're all back. So much. the one dude they're missing from last year's offense is John Brown, and they just signed Emmanuel Sanders. It's the same thing. That's an upgrade. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's an upgrade, same thing. I mean, nothing's probably going to change. So if we operate under that assumption, same coach, same quarterback, basically the same people out there, and I was a little shocked their offense coordinator, Brian Dayball, didn't get a head job, we probably are going to see more of the same because it worked extremely well, which we'll get to. But they are an extremely high percentage of 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three receivers, and four receiver sets. I mean, them in Arizona are at the top of the league in terms of usage of four receivers and more than two, you know, you're, and I don't know why they would stray from that. They don't have much in the way of tight ends, and they have four good receivers. And it starts with Stephon Diggs when it yeah. comes to the receiving core. And what do you do when you're the Pittsburgh Steers? How, how do you attack that guy? Because I, I think it's it's a fool's errand to say Joe Hayden get out there and take Stephon Diggs one on one for the rest of the game. You're going to have to help on a guy. You're like going to have to help on him. I mean, his numbers last year were ridiculous. He was an exceptional player with the Vikings. He was an elite player in this offense. Shocking when he was traded from Minnesota. Right, right. I mean, they give up a first-round pick yeah. for him. In a, you know, we know how valuable that is, and they gave him money. He led the league in targets. I mean, anyone that had him on their fantasy team understood yes. what Diggs brought to the table. Or if you even just watched the game last year, Steelers-Bills, they held him down for a while, but then he broke out. And... He has some Antonio Brown similarities in that he's a little taller. He's a li he's not quite as quick out of his breaks, but I mean that in that he's an elite route runner. He's great versus zone. He's great versus man. He can nickel and dime you with short stuff, or he can beat you in the intermediate levels or down the field. He's not just an outside-the-numbers player. So to answer your original question, there really isn't an answer. No. Answer, you know. He's one of those guys. He's one of those guys. He's in the contention for the best receiver in the league right now, and he's coming off an elite year in his first year with the new team. Um, the answer is, and we'll get to Josh Allen. The answer is you have to have the, the pass rush has to win. And just so I don't forget this, because I'm going to say so many glowing things about Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. His two areas to still work on are he fumbles a lot and he doesn't handle under, you know, numbers under pressure aren't nearly as good. And, and people, again, will remember the game last year. In the first half, the Steelers got after him time and time again, and they didn't move the football very much. I mean, uh, I, I think you have the numbers there, but they have a remarkable number of, a, a remarkably low number of, punts last year I, I mean yeah, they 41 times 41 yep. times in 16 games is how many often they punted fewest and, in any team since 1990 it's bonkers it really 30 is 30 years 30 plus years and I think the Steelers forced them to punt three or four times in the first half 
because they could get after Allen. Mm -hmm. No one's going to cover Diggs easily one-on-one to answer your question, but if they can generate a pass rush, that's their key. We'll get to Allen in a second. One thing you mentioned is ball security. He has fumbled the ball 31 times over the past three seasons, second to only Carson Wentz in yeah. the NFL. So he does have fumble problems. As a runner, too. Yes, you know I mean? of he, course. He, yeah, of course. So we'll get back to him, but that receiving core beyond Stephon Diggs, you mentioned how they've got four great receivers. Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, and Gabriel Davis make mm-hmm. up the other three. If you had to assign like an X factor to one of those groups, who would you label that as? It's a good question. I mean, Beasley is the definition of a prototypical slot. Yes. And he gets a lot of targets, and the ball comes out quick, and he's hard to deal with. And the Steelers are working on a new slot corner. So that's going to be a challenge. I wish I was a little more familiar with the situation, but there's something going on with Beasley and COVID, and he doesn't want to get vaccinated. I don't know. He's, he's just been very outspoken vocal about, about it. right. I mean, and you know, there's players that don't want to, players that do. He's just been one of the more outspoken yeah. ones about it. But he's playing, and he's yeah, fine. he's going to yeah, play right, 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 right. exactly. Gabe Davis was a rookie last year, and to now, that's me, that's one that's interesting. To he me. is interesting to me. Sort of a poor man's Claypool, in that uh-huh. he's big, strong, downfield little more one-dimensional, big, fast, but doesn't handle press coverage real well yet. You know, maybe he does in year two. I don't know that. Um, I think Steeler fans are familiar with Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> he's pretty similar to what he's always been. You know, he's a professional. He's, he can do everything pretty well. Like, I almost look at Emmanuel Sanders like he's 80% of what I said about Stefan Diggs. You know, he, he does everything at the position pretty well. But I don't know if they'll move those guys around a lot. You know, Beasley will be the slot. Davis probably will never go to the slot. He's an outside guy. Diggs and Sanders can do both. The Bills will get to Josh Allen. He runs the ball a lot, like I said. But they did not really like to run the football at all last season. In fact, it seemed like they almost shied away from it just based on their personnel. They just didn't think that they had a really great running back. Uh, they only ran the ball 36% of the times on first downs, and they only ran the ball, I believe it was about 31% of the time in the first half when they yeah. had offensive possessions. So they didn't even try to establish the run no. at all last year. They go out and they get Devin Singletary. They have Zach Moss now. Yep. Any improvement there in your eyes as far as the running back personnel, or it kind of just are they stuck in neutral again in that spot? Yeah, they, they grab Matt Breida too, who's been around the league a little bit, and. I mentioned how analytically driven they are. They value the pass more than the run. And it's very true on both sides of the ball. They're very defined. Uh, The coaching staff came out in the offseason and said, we have to be a better running team. But they didn't do anything to back that up. They they have one of the best offenses in the league. Why mess with it? Um, Maybe Zach Moss and Singletary take a few of the runs off Josh Allen's plate. And I only say that not because Allen's great, isn't good at it, but they just gave him a fortune. So I wonder if owners saying maybe Josh should run a little less, you know, no instead of taking hits. You He's know. got a rocket for an arm too. It's not exactly like it's the same situation as Lamar Jackson. Lamar's no, a good no, passer, right, but right, right. Josh Allen's just a little bit more advanced right now in that point of his career. You want to protect that for as long as you can. Like Absolutely. you said, at they the just paid be- him. And like you said at the very beginning, you finally have in Buffalo that GM head coach quarterback structure yeah you don't want to have that getting a bad concussion in week two because he just keeps rolling out and running for for extra yardage yep top five quarterback in the nfl on your mind josh allen at this point uh it's pretty yes. early in his career but he's really flirting with that he was a runner-up for mvp last year right. and deservedly so to aaron Rodgers. Uh, this isn't what you asked but I think he is the most talented quarterback in the NFL. That includes mm. Pat Mahomes, Rodgers, wow. 
gift. I mean, the gifts he has: size, speed, strength, arm strength, functional arm strength, power, elusiveness. I mean, just he's the prototype. I do mean, you, do you think that size and that mobility is what, in your mind, gives him that little edge over Mahomes? He, he, he is a little more mobile than Mahomes. A little more quick on his feet. He's probably faster in a straight line. Yeah. He can also truck people as a runner. <laughs> right, you know, he's got a little Cam Newton. He has a little Cam Newton in him too. Um, I mean, Mahomes is ridiculously talented. So I mean, we're splitting hairs here, but Allen's arm strength is number one. I mean, arm strength, ability to generate RPMs or throw the ball as hard as possible. He's rare. I mean, as good as you've ever seen. Now, the best way for the Steelers to attack Josh Allen, like you mentioned earlier, will be with that pass rush. Without question. That's a lot harder to do, though, than just us saying it in, in microphones right now because the Bills only gave up 27 sacks last year. That was ninth best in the mm-hmm. league. And I don't even know if it's that much that the offensive line is just that great. It's just it's really, it's okay. hard. It's really hard to sack that freaking guy. He's just so mobile. He's yeah. so aware in the pocket. And when he senses trouble, you know, it's not like he has to just shuffle up and try to find himself a new spot in the pocket like a lot of quarterbacks mm-hmm. in this league. He's gone and taken off for 10, 15 yards. That's the thing. I mean, you almost have to spy him like a Lamar. Blitzing him is dangerous. It's spy- not to jump in, but spying him, that's that's dangerous that's- when he's so good in the passing game as right. well. You're I mean, even if it's yeah. Schobert or Bush spying him, that doesn't mean you're going to stop him for a loss if he takes off and runs. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. it's still going to be a four or five yard gain, and then it's second and five. You know, um, they do spread the field a lot too, so they can see the pass rush and blitzes coming a little easier. It's hard to bring blitzes if you're in four wide because those corners or linebackers are coming from a distance. Um, so yeah, it's easier said than done. I would say the line is average to above average. They have a lot of. They have some depth there. They don't have a lot of star power on the line. But, you know, he he still needs to work on handling pressure well. So you think you get in this guy's kitchen. That's You can get him to fall. You can get him to start hearing footsteps every once in a while. Not, it's not even that. It's just he isn't – he's still a work in progress of, oh, the, blitz, the, the rush is coming here. Where do I go with it? I mean, it's, there's not okay. a fear or a um, – so It's not like head, a flappable kind of thing. Sam of thing. Yeah, no, exactly. none of that. I mean, he's – and at times, part of it's because he holds the ball a little longer, too. Like, because okay. he's tough as nails. I can make this throw. I can wait and takes a hit, takes a sack, takes the fumble. You know, I mean, he is a playmaker. If you had to tell Mike Tomlin or Keith Butler, this is the one thing you have to do as a defense to ensure success mm-hmm. against the Bills, would it be that pass rush? Yes. But even, you know, X and O it up a little bit more. Yeah, please. Especially with two it out. We haven't seen Ingram as an interior pass rusher, but he did it a lot with the Chargers. And really, I can't even remember if the Steelers have done this in my lifetime, that NASCAR package, like the Giants did against Brady in the Super Bowl. You know, taking defensive ends and moving them inside and just putting speed on the defensive line. We haven't seen that, but they're actually pretty capable now. I mean, if you put a, if we talked about the personnel that the the Bills are going to use. So if you have a four man pass rush of, Highsmith and Watt on the outside, and Watt's playing, by the way. You know, Ingram and Hayward in the middle. Whew. You can, you're going to do damage. And maybe, you know, you're you're losing some against the run. It's all right. 
you know, they don't run much anyway, right. and all those guys can chase down Allen, and they will cause massive problems. I would use that package a lot. That is a scary prospect, that yeah. package, and then just thinking about adding to it in eventually. Along right, the right, right, right. Mix that. those guys just, in, and Alulu will play, you know. I mean, certainly on third and eights I'm using those, but I might use it on first and ten at times, too. It is if you were going to build this as a heavyweight fight, it's the Bills' offense versus the Steelers' defense. Yes, no question. Both Two, are clear top five units. Exactly, no, no question about it. Let's get to the Bills' defense, though. They're interesting. It's a formidable unit. I would say slightly above average as far as yeah the total unit in the NFL. I think better in the back end than they are up front. Not a lot of star power. Uh, Tre'Davious White's their best player, and he will follow receivers at times. Um, depends week to week. I would bet that there isn't a Steeler receiver that they think stands out as the clear one, got to follow him type of guy. Right. You know, if, if the Bills were playing the Bills, he'd probably follow Diggs. You know, I mean, but I, I don't think that'll be the case. Um, a couple notes on their defense. I don't disagree with you that it's average. I would say it's a little above that, Slightly though. Above yeah, that. because the couple years that McDermott was there before last year, it was pretty darn good. And they had some injuries last year, so I think they'll get back to that. Um, what I think is extremely interesting about this team on the defense, though, by a wide margin, they led the league in nickel. Yep, 90% of their snaps. That's, league average was under 59. Yeah, that, that says it right there. Second place, Jets, 81%. Okay, so and the Jets are always losing. There. <laughs> right. So they're trying to stop the pass desperately. Yeah, you know, so... <laughs> You're going to see a four-man front and two linebackers, and this is off on a tangent too, but to me that's a big reason the Steelers traded for Schobert was the Steelers were really heavy on defense in their base and in their dime. But if you can stay in nickel a high percentage and don't have to bring subs in all the time and you have linebackers that are active that can cover, you know, that can handle all situations like Edmonds and Milano mm -hmm. can, it makes you a lot harder to play against. And that's a big thing that they do. Their safeties are both have a corner background and are interchangeable, and they do a great job of disguising coverages, moving after the snap. Those guys are hard to play against. But I mentioned they always, almost always are going to have five defensive backs on the field. We already talked about White and the two safeties. The other corners aren't great. You know, the other corners That's can where be you picked can on. Get them. Slot corner. The guy opposite White, of course, they help him more. Right. But that's not a great matchup for the Bills. I mean, the Steelers have weapons. You mentioned Tredavious White uh, at the beginning of talking about the defense. Probably their best player probably, yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. Got to imagine Tremaine Edmonds is closing the gap on him there. He's a very useful linebacker. Probably no yes. one that's going to become a household name ever in his career, but just... You know, the people in the know will know he is an incredibly solid middle linebacker. Yeah, and again, I keep drawing parallels to the Steelers and Bills because I know there's some fans out there that are a little upset that Bush isn't a star yet, you know. Right. Linebackers take a few years. You know, Roquan Smith took a huge step this year in his third season. Um, people think Devin White's a star, but he just runs around like a lunatic. Um, it, it, young linebackers take a year or two. When Edmund was, was drafted, I predicted he'd be a top-five linebacker in a year or two. Mm -hmm. He isn't yet. He's taking slow steps towards that. And, of course, he's, you know, the Steelers' Edmund's brother, you know, in case people don't realize that. But he is so talented. He's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he can play man coverage on tight ends. So fast. He can blitz off the edge as a true pass rusher. As you said, he covers a ton of ground. 
moving laterally or dropping into coverage or man coverage. This could be his breakout year where he actually is the the pro bowler every down type of guy. And just how this team was built, this staff came from Carolina. They drafted him to be their Luke Keekley, and they drafted Allen to be their Cam Newton, mm-hmm. and they built everything around both. And I still think that they're trending in the right direction as far as both of those are concerned. Obviously, Allen is right, is re- right they there. They just keep getting better. Exactly. And I think and they're Edmonds, freaky athletes. Something specimens. you mentioned that I think, you know, not to touch on it too much, but with Devin White, you know, it's easy for him with Levante David there right. to kind of just be the chicken with your head cut off, go crazy, run around, make sure. a ton of plays. Schobert's going to be the David. Exactly. Right, so right. now Devin Bush doesn't have to you know, mind his P's and Q's as much because he's that guy. He's freed up now. Same thing I with Tremaine Edmonds in Buffalo. Sidelines. Right. He's right, stuck right. having to do that because Matt Milano is good, but he's just not the level that Tremaine Edmonds is or, of course, Levante David is. Sure, sure. And, and But those guys play off each other really, really well. They never leave the field. This team's very strong up the middle on the second and third levels. I've m- mentioned the safeties, too. And so they all work well in conjunction. Um, I do think the defensive line's interesting, though, too, because they've really dedicated some resources well, to it. That's yeah. where I was just going with this. Is 38 sacks last year was good for 16th in the NF- NFL, so they definitely wanted to improve that pass yeah. rush, and they spent their first two picks this year. Uh, Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham mm-hmm. on improving that pass rush, or at least attempting to, uh, making a more formidable defensive line. You think it's going to work? Neither of those guys, I believe, have jumped into the starting spot as far as their depth chart is concerned. Jerry Hughes still He's still their front, best. And then Basham, I think, is stuck behind Latulier, who they signed in the offseason. Uh, but not long before those two guys make a big impact on the field, Rousseau and Basham. Yeah, and even to take it a step further, last the draft before that last year, they – trade their first-round pick for Diggs, and their second-round pick was A.J. Epinesa. So he, all three of those guys are big defensive ends, power players that can kick inside. And then the year before that, they used, like, the eighth or ninth pick on Ed Oliver, who's a first-round, you know, yeah. who's a upfield Geno Atkins type. So they keep just going back to the well over and over. There isn't a star in that group yet. You mentioned Hughes. He's the best one, but he's on the back nine. Mm-hmm. I look at their defensive line like two – strong hockey lines. You know, they have eight guys that can play. You mentioned Ludalele. He's a big nose tackle type. And they, they got defensive ends that can kick inside, like we mentioned with Ingram. And there's a lot of options there, but none of them are stars yet. You know, that's what they're searching for. That's why they keep going back to the well. So Ed Oliver, interesting that you brought him up because is he starting to, you know, creep into Bills fans and maybe, you know, the Bills front office's mind is eh, he's probably not as good as we thought he was. Because I remember yeah. back when he was picked, a lot of people thought they might have taken a reach on him, a little right. undersized. But that was tough to accept that criticism when you see a quote-unquote undersized Aaron Donald just dominating that position right? better than anybody maybe ever in the history of the league. But I do remember when the Bills picked him, there was a lot of people that were kind of like, oh, that's a little bit of a reach for them, and so far he hasn't been terrible. He's still a starter in the NFL, right? But he's definitely not, you know, what they expected to get from him when they picked him in the Agreed. first round. I think you'd want more from a top ten pick exactly. going into his third year, and maybe it's a breakout year. But he's two seventy five, two eighty, something in that neighborhood. Very explosive, an extreme tester at the combine. And they don't ask them to play every snap. I mean, that's the beauty of this D-line is they keep them all fresh and they keep rotating. They've got better depth this year. Yeah, yeah. which I think is a big deal considering where the Steelers' O-line is. Right. How many snaps have those guys played? You know, I mean, there's gonna, they're going to be challenged even though there isn't 
you know, uh, Miles Garrett on the other side there, Aaron Donald. I mean, but it's just a lot of different guys to know and a lot of things they can throw at you up front. And you mentioned their sack numbers were right in the middle of the league. But these advanced metric people that that uh, also evaluate pressures, yeah. they were better than that. They were sort of 10-ish in that neighborhood. Okay. So th- it's not like they were bad. So if they improve by just a half a second, you can make a huge leap. Huge jump, and they turn into a, 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 an, a, an average situation into a strength is what they're trying to do. And, and frankly, what they're doing is – how do we keep up with the Chiefs? Yeah, you no know. question. That's right. what everybody in the AFC is going to be playing for as long right. as Patrick Mahomes is in his prime. Yeah, what beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Exactly. Yeah, right. They were number five in the NFL as far as passer rating against their secondary was last year. Okay. Rushing the ball, though, they were 16th in total rushing yards allowed, 4.6 yards per carry, and they surrendered 21 touchdowns, which was uh, top five in the league most surrendered. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the best avenue to attack this defense, right? Is it running is. Running the ball, controlling the game, not just because their defense might be weak, but you also keep that dude off the field, number 17. Yes, but you're also falling into their trap because Ooh. they... Don't want to do that. They, they're going to have... They're not going to allow the big plays. They want you to run with the thought of even though you might win the time possession battle and you keep Allen on the sidelines and all those things... Can you score enough points to keep up with us by running the ball? And again, I keep bringing up analytics with this team. They don't mind being middle of the pack in terms of run defense if their pass defense is great. You know, they right. want you to run. It's just not as efficient as passing. And at the end of the day, can you score 30 and keep up with Josh by running the ball? But you're right. I mean, part of it's by design because they're always in nickel. You know, if Steelers come out and two tights, two receivers, and Najee Harris. They may get five, six yards a clip, and I still think you'll see nickel. You know, they're not going to go get heavy because that's what they do. And in the end, they, they're going to tell you, can you score enough points by taking that strategy against us? And I bet the Steelers try, and I bet Harris has a nice day. Before we get out of here, Matt, a couple key matchups that you pointed out to me before we started the podcast. First, the Steelers' offensive line versus the Bills' defensive line. We just mentioned that the Bills spent a lot of time improving their defensive line this offseason. We all know how much the Steelers invested (laughs) in improving their offensive line. Who do you see right now getting the better of that that key matchup? Buffalo. In their building, super loud, hard to hear. First time Bill's Mafia has really been able to support a real team for a long time. I think that's a huge component yeah. of this game too. You know, it's not like you know, last year they got to go in for the playoff games, but yeah, were, but it's were not the same. And, yeah, now yeah, it's yeah. a full house, and it's just I'm not saying the Steeler O line's bad. I don't believe that it is, but there's going to be communication errors. You're going to have to deal with a lot of different people. You're not going to block the same guy snap after snap. They're just going to keep revolving them in there. And a big thing people don't think about. Conditioning this time of year is a big problem for almost every team. No one's played 60, 70 snaps in a game. By the end of the game, Steelers are going to be tired, where the Bills are going to be, you know, eight, nine deep on the defensive front. Steelers' depth at offensive line already being tested with right. Zach Banner being out in this game. So they're pulling point. up Dan Moore, moving Chooks over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a potential for some tired legs on that offensive yeah. line where there's some fresh bodies for Buffalo in that fourth quarter when things could be very close. Yeah, and I don't expect it to be a disaster. I think the Steelers' line will be okay. but Do you expect maybe a fade as the game goes on? Maybe you come out and punch him maybe. in the mouth a little bit. First half, you're running the ball well, getting down. That would go a long way. It but would go then, a long way. As, I mean, you know, things go on. Maybe if they're forced down. to pass block all day long because the run game isn't working or they're trying just to keep up with Allen, I think the O-line could have a, a rough fourth quarter. 
And finally, Bills quarterback Josh Allen versus Steelers inside linebacker Joe Schobert. Steelers obviously make the trade with Jacksonville to acquire Schobert on August 14th. Huge hole in the Steelers' defense that has been filled. But like we said in this episode, Josh Allen is a top five, or at least trending to be a top five quarterback in this league. There's a lot on Joe Schobert's plate this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Welcome I, to Pittsburgh. <laughs> without question. I mean, even just tracking Allen down. I, I said he's the most physically gifted quarterback in the league. He's a challenge to play against because he's the biggest, fastest guy on the basketball court. I mean, just no matter what, he stands out in a Cam Newton-like manner. But, you know, I mixed the Allen in with with Dayball, though, too, their offensive coordinator. Kind of like the Steelers' offensive line, your communication is going to have to be really, really sharp between Schobert and everyone else. And he just hasn't been here long. We just don't know. That's going to do it for the first edition of the Advanced Scout. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back with you again next week. We'll be doing this every week during Steelers season, previewing the opponent coming up on the Steelers schedule. Enjoy the game in Buffalo on Sunday. For Matt Williamson, I am Tom Opperman, and we will talk to you guys next week.